The following audio is from the chapel at Fishhawk. More information about the chapel at Fishhawk is available at www.thechapelfh.org. It's an important subject to learn how to be generous. And you know, being generous doesn't come easy. Uh, you know, when your kids are little, it's really a tough job to teach them how to share, isn't it? They don't share just easily because we're generally selfish. We generally want to keep things. So it's very hard to give up certain things. It kind of challenges. But it's an important thing. And God really trains us and teaches us how to be generous. Someone said, it's more blessed when you give than when you receive. Do you know who that was? It's in the Bible. Who said that? Jesus said that. Now, why would he say that? Well, because it's true. When you give, when you share, when you let go of things, when you help somebody else, you're proving the fact that Christ said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. So that's kind of what we're going to be talking about in the next couple of weeks. And so uh, this morning we're talking about the attitude of giving. And next week we'll be talking about the actions of giving, some specific things. The end of the, uh, our time this morning at the bottom of your lesson sheet is a, a text of my phone number. And even after this morning, I'm sure you're going to have some questions. So just fire those questions away. We'll take care of them next week. We'll answer what we can. And we'll just kind of learn together as we go along. The key about generosity is with God is that when our heart is right, then our giving is right. Our generosity is right. There's a story in Scripture about a guy named Zacchaeus, and he was in a tree because he was small, and Jesus was coming by. And as soon as Jesus noticed him, he said, Zacchaeus, come on down. I want to stay at your house tonight. That happened. And then when Zacchaeus went to Jesus' house, within a very short time, Zacchaeus figured out who this was and wanted to worship this Christ. And so he said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to give half of my wealth away. He was a tax collector, quite wealthy. And then he said, if I've, if I've offended anybody, I'm going to give them four times as much if I've defrauded. Jesus said immediately, salvation has come to this house. So there's something about our response in generosity, even that has a connection to our salvation. Now, there's another guy in the Bible. He was a rich, young person. He was a ruler, the Bible says. And Jesus said to him, he says, I'm going to make you a deal. You give up all of your wealth, and I'll give you eternal life in heaven. What do you think he chose? The Bible says he went away sad. He didn't have the right heart. He was kind of connected to himself, and he even said to Jesus, I've, I've done all the commandments. Jesus said, there's something you're lacking. You're not giving yourself to me. And that's really what it takes to be a, a generous person. We've got to remember that God is the greatest giver of all. Amen? The greatest. You can't outgive God in any way, shape, or form. Because if he needs something, what does he do? He creates it. I even think, I really believe that God creates answers to our problems from day to day as we ask him. He can do that. 
wants us to learn to give like he gives because he's the greatest giver. God sent Jesus to earth to show us how to give in every area of our life. Money, time, health, spiritual gifts, even our very lives. Jesus said, greater love has no man than to give his life for his what? For his friends. So God is trying to teach us something. And we just got to be good students. In Romans 12, 1, Paul says, I want you to present your bodies to God as a living sacrifice. Holy. Acceptable. Because that's your reasonable service of worship to God. Bodily presentation to Christ. Paul says, um, I want you to not be drunk with wine, but be filled with a what? With the Spirit. Filling of the Spirit means that you're letting God have complete control of your life in every area. Because if there's some area that's not God's, then the filling's not complete. So the filling of the Spirit, loving God with your heart, soul, and mind, presenting your body as a living sacrifice, all the same thing. And God says, that's, that's what it means to follow me, denying yourself, taking your cross up, following me. There's a verse on the screen this morning I want you to read. Let's read it out loud together. Will you read it with me? Give. Is it up there? Yep. Okay. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, pouring into your lap. For whatever measure you use, it will be measured to you in return. So, how we give is part of how things come to us. The Bible says, so bountifully, and you'll reap bountifully. So sparingly, you'll reap sparingly. And God is saying, learn to be generous. Learn how to give. And Jesus says, if you give, it'll be given to you. You ever go to the grocery store and get those potato chip bags you get home, and what's in there? Air. God's potato chip bags are full, to the top. I'm a potato chip nut. I love barbecue potato chips or onion types or sour cream and cheese or ruffles or I'm just, I'm, you know, football, right? Potato chips. Dipped it into the old uh, sour cream and so on. It's, it's just the the nicest way to spend a Sunday afternoon. And then you take a nap because you've eaten too much. Well, God's not like that. God's not stingy. He's not stingy with you and he's not stingy with me. I mean, everything in life's going to be perfect, but he's a giver. He's a giver. James says that every good and perfect gift comes from above. So God is saying, trust me. Let things go. A committed Christian keeps their hands open pretty much, if you can, all the time. You say, God, you bless me. Just don't do this. Don't hang on to it. You can't take it away from me, Lord. Well, he did that with Job, didn't he? The Bible says, Job said, God gives, God what? Takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord.
Job went through probably one of the most difficult experiences. I'm sure it was the most difficult other than Jesus dying on the cross. And it's way at the beginning of the Bible, before Moses, maybe even historically before Abraham. And God took everything, family, possessions, and health away. And at the end, God taught Job about the giving father that he is and the creator that he is. And then he said, I'm going to give you double what you had to begin with. So we experience those things in life. Sometimes it's difficult to let go of things. There's another verse on the screen. I want you to read this one. Would you read it with me out loud? A pupil is not above his teacher, but after he has been fully trained, will become what? Like his teacher. That verse is just two verses after the verse about giving and it will be given to you. Because the whole context there is Jesus talking about turning the other cheek. He says, if somebody slaps you on the cheek, they took your cheek. You didn't give anything. So turn the other one. That's your gift. Somebody asked you to go a mile, they took that from you because that was a Roman rule. You had to do something to a Roman soldier and you had to walk at least a mile. And then Jesus says, why don't you offer to go the second mile? If somebody needs something, why don't you just give it to them rather than lending and expecting it in return? And then he concludes all of those ideas with give, and it shall be given. And then he says, a pupil's not above his teacher, but when he's fully trained, he'll be like his teacher. Who's he talking about there? Who's the teacher? It's Jesus. Jesus says, I want you to be like me. I want you to be like me. That's why our message this morning is giving like God gives. God is teaching us how to be givers in life, how to let things go, how to trust God that the more you give, the more you're going to receive. You give out the front door and God's going to bring it in the back door. But if it doesn't go out the front door, it may not come in the back door. So God says, hey, let's learn some things here. Because God sent Christ as our example. And John 3.16 says what? Can you repeat it with me? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He gave the greatest thing he could give. And Jesus laid down his life on that cross and died. God cannot die. But the man, the son of man, Jesus, did die, and he accepted everything that, that was part of our lives as a human being in the flesh and then gave it. He said, this is all I can give. So God is saying, I want you to give like that in your life. It's not going to happen when you're, when you're five years old, ten years old. It's going to happen through your life because it's a training situation all the way through. I want you to read the verse now, uh, and I'll read it. Well, actually, let's read it together. It's Proverbs. It's the verse we're going to look at this morning, because now we're going to be talking about, in this whole concept, how, what are the basic principles? And there are just basically three we're going to look at this morning. So let's read Proverbs 3, 9, and 10. Would you read it with me? Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty, and your vats will be bursting with wine. 
Anybody here have a bat? We'll talk about that. So first principles. First principles. Honor God from your provision. There's a verse here in Psalms that just says, The earth is the Lord's and all it contains, the world, those who dwell in it. For, for he has founded it upon the seas, established it upon the, the rivers. The Spirit of God, you remember in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, moved on the face of the waters. This planet would not support life if 75% of this earth were not water. So the first thing that we do as givers is to recognize, recognize that God is the owner. We don't own anything. He's the creator. He's the supplier. Everything on this planet was put here by him. You have a valence chart that's got 118 elements. About seven or eight of them are those rare earth elements that over the last 50 and even the last few years have been just discovered. We seem to think that we're, we're so in charge of this universe that, that it's all kind of just naturally here. And, but God put everything that's here, here. Haggai says, God says, the, the, the silver is mine, the gold is mine. Psalm 50 says, every beast of the field is mine. A thousand uh, cattle on a thousand hills is mine. Everything is God's, and God put it here. Anybody of you arrive on the planet with anything? Any of you going to take a U-Haul to heaven? Nope, not going to happen. So the more we think about who God is, the more we realize, ah, God's the one who is supplied us with what we have on earth. And when we learn to give to him and to others, we're saying, God, I recognize that. I recognize that. And God is asking us to be good stewards of what he's given. And a steward is someone who is trustworthy and, and faithful. But sometimes in our finances, we're not always faithful. We're kind of maybe foolish sometimes. Maybe we're in way too much debt. I've been in debt before. It's not a fun picture. And sometimes God is saying, ah, let's, let's change things. Let's reprioritize our life. Let's make things a little better. A verse on the screen is 1 Samuel 2.30. It says, he that honors me, I will honor. Those who despise me will be disgraced. So God deserves honor. My God shall supply all your needs according to to his riches in Christ Jesus. How many of you can say this morning, God has supplied my needs? He has. You know, one of the neatest things in terms of our body, this family, about three or four weeks ago, we had a business meeting, and uh, Ryan was sharing some things, some needs about the chapel and all, and, and Ben uh, kind of leaned over this little table and said, would you guys be willing to give a little bit more to uh, kind of help meet the situation that was described. I'll tell you, every hand went up in that room, right? Those of you who were here, every hand just went up like that. That's, that's the attitude of this family. It's a giving attitude. And yet, even in my own life, and I started giving when I was young, a teenager, I just started, I was taught, I was trained, and I, I was told that the, the first of what is, is coming to me is, is God. And we'll look at that in a minute. 
But it, it took some training, and, and I've just never stopped. It's never been perfect, but it's just a way that God wants us to learn. So honor God from your provision. Secondly, honor God from your first fruits. On the screen it says, from Romans 8.29, For whom he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Now, you might not understand the connection. We'll talk about it. The idea of why is first fruits so important to God? Because first is a very significant concept in the Bible. Back in the Old Testament, the, the firstborn male was God. In Exodus chapter 13, verse 12, says, God said, the firstborn male is mine. It belongs to me. You remember in Egypt, when the death angel passed over, what had to happen? Blood had to be put on the doorpost. But the Egyptians did not do that, and their firstborn, what? Died. The Israelites, obeying God by faith, sacrificed their animal, sacrificed their lamb, put the blood on the doorpost, and their firstborn lived. God has said, the firstborn is mine. So in the scripture, the devoted firstborn, when the father had a firstborn child, after about a year, you had to take that child to the priest, and you paid, you paid a, a redeeming fee, you might say. And it could not be more than five shekels of silver. So you went to the priest, you took your firstborn, and in effect, you bought your firstborn back. Because the firstborn is God's. Now, think about that. Where's the connection here? What's going on? The firstborn is God's. It's his property. So when we're in a giving attitude and are generous, we're realizing, God, the, the first of what you give to me is yours. And the connection then follows to who? To Jesus, right? He's the firstborn son of God. Christ is the one. Giving our first to God is a reflection of God, God giving his first to us. God says, I'm training you, Israelites. By the way, how many of you uh, would say that your first and favorite book of the, the Bible is Leviticus? Okay. Anybody know what Leviticus is? It's a book about offerings. And even after this message, you might want to go home and just kind of scramble through the book of Leviticus because it's about how to worship and be accountable to a holy God. So when you kind of look at all the details, how you do this, and there's five basic offerings in Leviticus, burnt offering, grain offering, a thank offering, a peace offering, and so on. Those offerings, God is training Israel in giving. The burnt offering had to do with sin. If you committed a sin and you, and you, uh, and you wanted forgiveness and you needed forgiveness, then you brought an offering to the priest and, 
he offered it for you, and you laid your hand on the, the animal, and all of a sudden there was a transfer from that animal's death to forgive you of your sin. But that transfer was a picture of someday Jesus doing the very same thing. Isn't that cool? So first is very significant in terms of our generosity to God and to other people. God says, I want you to give it off the top. Sometimes we give it off the bottom. Sometimes at the bottom there's nothing left. And that's not faith. And that's not a decision. Every act of giving is going to require faith and decision. Faith and decision. Trust. Trust God for all that he's done for you, all that he's given for you, and say, God, I'm just going to make sure that the first is yours. Because that's what God is trying to teach us. Mary gave her firstborn son, right? Colossians 1.15 says, Jesus is firstborn over all creation. Colossians 1.18 says, Jesus is firstborn from the dead. So all of these things transfer to the verse that we read just a little bit ago. For those whom he foreknew, he predestined to become conformed, that means like, conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the what? Firstborn among many brethren. Jesus is the firstborn of all of us in this room who have received Christ. We're the brethren. He's the one that died on the cross. He's the one that raised from the dead and now has a brand new glorified body. And that's the firstborn experience that Christ is giving to us. So God is saying, I'm giving my best to you. Learn how to give your first to me. And the last principle is simply to give God to give God uh, from your finances. Now, there's a verse here, and I want you to read. Um, let, me, let me read it for you. It's in uh, Genesis 4, 3 and 4. Cain brought an offering to the Lord of the fruit of the ground. And Abel brought the firstlings of his flock and of their fat portions. For Abel, the Lord had regard, but for Cain, the Lord had what? No regard. Now, we're going way back to the beginning of Adam and Eve, their first two sons. Somehow, I don't, I don't really can't explain, and nobody can, as to, as to why they came to the point to decide that they needed to bring something to God. But when they did, the Bible says Cain just brought something, and Abel took the firstlings of his flock and honored God with it. And God said, Abel, great job. You worshipped me. You honored me. You gave me the best. Cain, something was wrong there. People have speculated over all the time about what was it that Cain did that, had, that God had no regard for. And all we can basically say is something was wrong with his heart, right? 
something was wrong with Cain's heart. He wasn't giving his finest. Probably wasn't giving his first. He, who knows? He might have just scraped some crops together because he was a, he was a farmer. Abel was someone who kept flocks. Some said, well, Cain should have brought a, an animal. Well, I don't know about that. Bottom line, something was wrong with Cain's heart. And as time went on through the Old Testament, at the end of the Old Testament period, Israel's attitude also as a nation had really dropped. They had come back into the land from being captured in Babylon, and the Babylonians allowed Nehemiah, Ezra, to go back into the land, rebuild the wall, set up the city of Jerusalem, and about a hundred years later, Malachi is writing the last book of the Old Testament. And things aren't doing very well. In the book of Malachi, the Lord says, here's God talking now. I have loved you. A son honors his father and a servant his master. Then if I'm your father, where's my honor? You're bringing defiled food to me. You're presenting the blind and the lame and the sick sheep. Well, why not offer that to your governor, God says. Do you think he'd be pleased? Would he accept it? Answer is no. So God says, I, I'm just asking someone among you people to go shut the gate on the sacrificial lambs that you're offering to me because it's not acceptable. It's worthless. So you're taking all this stuff that you really don't want. You know, it's kind of like a, a garage sale. <laughs> You kind of open your garage up and say, here, God, this is yours, right? It doesn't help. It doesn't work. If we give God our leftovers, you know, we don't, you know, we don't have barn. Anybody here have a barn? God promises great things. He'll fill your barn, right? Well, we don't have baths either, but I've got a garage. Uh, most of the people on my street and around our neighborhood, all the cars are in the front, right? And everything's in the garage. Because you can't park anything in there. So I told Melanie, I said, when we moved to Florida, I gotta have a three-car garage. Because I got stuff. She doesn't like my stuff. I said, well, I'm gonna take a third of the garage, put your car over here, my car over there, and then we'll be fine. I've got tools. I've been doing carpentry work. I, I do other kinds of things. I just like I got my grandfather's old uh, oak bench. I mean, it's probably 100 years old. God says, I need your best. If you're going to worship me, give me your best. Give it off the top. Give the first. If you give it off the bottom, there's no faith there. Now, Melanie and I have gone through ups and downs in life like all the rest of you. Things are not always rosy. Things are not always financially wonderful. There's been times where there have been great financial challenges. But we've just not stopped giving. 
Like, I know that God's going to bless in the end, right? Did Job doubt God through that period of, yeah, I'm sure he woke up in certain morning. Why has this happened to me? God says, I have a reason. I have a reason. Maybe some of you are going through some very hard finance times. But God is training us. That's what he told Israel. We'll look at this more next week. But he told Israel in Deuteronomy chapter 8, he said, you're going to get proud someday, and you're going to think that you're the ones that made wealth for yourself, and you're going to forget that I gave you the power to make wealth. So since God has given us everything we have, whether it's a little or a lot, God is saying, I just want you to honor me with your first and your finest. Your finest. And next week we're going to talk about some actions, some different steps, some just things that make sense. And, and I know you're going to, again, have some maybe questions or kind of wonder, well, what do I do with this? What do I do with that? What happens if this happens? So on. We'll, we'll talk about those things. But bottom line is God says, I'm providing. Paul says, my God will supply every one of your needs in Christ Jesus. And so God is just asking us to trust him. Trust him. Your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. It's a decision of faith. I want to close with just one example in the Bible where the disciples kind of towards the end and he's getting ready to go to the cross and Passover and so on. But they were in the temple area. Disciples and Jesus were kind of around each other and <clears throat> Jesus kind of pointed over to an area where the temple treasury was and said, there's a widow over there. And she's got two copper coins. And Jesus says, it's all she's got to live on. And she's putting it in the box. Now, I don't think that woman had a clue that Jesus actually knew what she was giving. She probably didn't tell anybody. But God knows what we do. And God's looking at our heart all the time. My heart is the issue. Because a generous heart is a generous giving person. I don't think that woman, that woman died the next day because she gave those two copper coins. What do you think happened to the rest of that woman's life? Was it blessed? What do you think? It was blessed. She just, for some reason, at that particular moment in time, she said, my love for God is greater than even living, is what she said. So God, here's the last of what I have. I'm trusting you. I'm trusting you. Now, was it a big check or a, thousand dollars or whatever? Nope. Two small coins worth about a cent in those days. What a tremendous example of faith and decision. So I'm not preaching to anybody this morning because when I study this material, 
I have to look in here all the time. And you know something? I've got things to think about in terms of my giving heart. My wife has the gift of giving. If you come to my house and want something there, she'll give it to you. That's why I don't invite you to my house. <laughs> but it's true. Some of our relatives, somebody, you know, well, oh, yeah, Grandma used to have that. Here, man, what do you, you take? Oh, yeah, you take it. You walk out the door with it. Now, I'm a little bit the other way, okay? So God has to work on me. I have to think about what I'm getting, which is okay if you're like that. Uh, be careful that you don't just give everything out the front door because there are people on television who are asking to do things like that. So you want to be wise, practical. But if your heart is right and you are a spirit-filled and controlled Christian, you will give what God desires you to give. And even after a message like this this morning, you can go home with your spouse and you can talk about and you should talk and pray about what is your plan for how you give to the chapel, to other people, to family members, to people in need, homeless people on, in Tampa. We, we need to pray. We need to prioritize. In fact, I've learned that when you really learn how to give the first and the best and off the top to God, nothing left over, just the finest, when you learn to do that, somehow you become a better money manager at home. Because all of a sudden you recognize there's a, there's a priority here. God comes first. He's always first. He taught us the principle of why first is important through his son, through Old Testament sacrifice. So all of that figures in. And we just say, God, I want to think about it. I want to pray about it. I've got to tell you, there's some areas in my life where I've been way too stingy. And I'm praying about those areas, and I'm trying to be more responsive. Just responsive. I gave somebody who was fostering some money. I went through fostering, training. And I, I just thought about it, and I heard about it. I heard about it secondhand. And uh, the person went out and bought all the foster goods, it was $3 different in total from what I had given them. I just said, okay, Lord, you're teaching me. You're teaching me. So let God teach you. Let him teach you. You say, God, I, you don't know my situation. Yeah, God knows your situation. He knows everything about it. But let him teach you. Everything will be right at the chapel as we... Learn to do what God wants us to do. Let's pray. Father, thank you for just our time this morning. Thank you, Lord, for all the things that have been given to us through our lifetimes. Thank you, Lord, for providing um, in so many different ways, and not just monetarily, Gee, for your direction, for guidance, for decision-making, 
for wisdom, for healing, for our health, for so many different things, God, that you have provided, allowed, and actually created in our life that we enjoy. And you've told us that you've done things that we would enjoy you. So I pray, Lord, that as we think and pray and evaluate how we are responding in love and worship and heartful generosity to you and to others, I just pray, Lord, you'll speak to us and show us what you want. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen.